You're listening to the All Indie Writers Podcast with host Jennifer Mattern. Helping serious freelancers, bloggers, and indie authors go pro. Hello and welcome. I'm Jen Mattern, your host of the All Indie Writers Podcast. Thank you for joining me today for episode number 10. You can find show notes and links to resources mentioned in this episode by visiting allindiewriters.com slash podcast slash 10. In today's episode, we'll look at author blogging as part of your book promotion efforts. Then I'll tackle a community question about the fake it till you make it concept as it applies to freelance writers. And then I'll share my latest resource for newsletter subscribers featuring 15 ways you can repurpose your blog content as a part of your larger content marketing plan. So let's get to it. I want to start with author blogging and specifically why you should consider setting up an author blog. The two biggest reasons for me are relationship building, which is an important part of author PR, and owned media. The fact that you have a central hub on the web that you can use to build those relationships and gain exposure without relying exclusively on third parties, such as social networks or bookseller sites like Amazon. If my experience in PR and marketing has taught me anything, it's that you should never rely exclusively on third parties. You need that home base. You don't want to put years of effort into promoting something and promoting yourself and building your reputation only to have it ripped out from under you. Companies, they change ownership all the time. They go out of business. Policies change where perhaps things that you've published in the past are suddenly banned and removed. Payment models change. Your relationship as a result might change because you might decide later that you don't want to rely so heavily on a particular source. I'm not saying that any particular source is going to disappear, but my point is you never know. Companies big and small change over time. And you don't want to be at their mercy when that happens. Now, I've gone beyond this in an article at All Indie Writers covering 10 reasons that you should launch an author blog. And to give you some more background, I will include a link to that in the show notes for this episode, which you can find at allindiewriters.com slash podcast slash 10. If you're still on the fence about whether or not you want to launch an author blog, I strongly suggest looking through those reasons and seeing if any would benefit you in any way. Now, one of the biggest complaints I hear from authors who don't want to launch an author blog, and that's the issue of time. They're concerned that having a blog is going to take too much time, and that's time taken away from their books. And I completely understand that. It can be a challenge sometimes. I get that. But I think a lot of this fear comes from a misunderstanding about what's involved in blogging. And don't get me wrong, it's work. It involves work. But it doesn't involve as big of a time commitment as some authors seem to think. And there's a lot of misinformation out there. You know, people are telling you, oh, you have to blog every single day. And that was the popular advice five or six years ago. And since then, most professional bloggers, you know, we all woke up and realized that's not the case. You know, you block every day if you can and if you have an audience that expects it. In most cases as an author, you're not in that position 
You don't have to do that. Not all blogs are created equal. You don't have the same audiences and you shouldn't have the same goals. You do not have to always publish long, epic content. You can publish short updates. Ideally, you'll publish a mix. And something that's often overlooked is the fact that you can actually take what you're writing in your book and take the research that you're doing for your book and turn some of that into blog posts or turn your blog content into content for your book. And, you know, if you're interested in blogging your book, Nina Amir's site, which I will also link to in the show notes, is a great place to start. That content can be reused, repurposed, converted into different formats to appeal to different audiences. That goes from sharing an excerpt from a book on your blog as a post to hashing out topics on your blog to see how readers respond to then decide if you want to actually cover those topics or expand upon them further as you're writing your book. Other examples would be taking a chapter from your book and perhaps doing a reading, recording it as a podcast, or recording it in video format and publishing that. The more that you can tie your content on your blog to your actual books that you're working on, the less time your blog is going to take because it's all going to be integrated. Now, if you do decide to launch an author blog and you don't have one already, personally, I recommend that you go with WordPress. And that is the self-hosted WordPress, which you can download at wordpress.org. The software is free, but you do need to get your own domain name. And what you'll do is blog through WordPress on your own hosting account. The other option for WordPress is wordpress.com which is hosted by WordPress. You know, you're hosted on a subdomain of WordPress.com, such as yourname.wordpress.com instead of your own domain name. And that's free. So a lot of authors instinctually think, well, if that's free and they're going to take care of all of the hosting for me and the technical aspects, then that's perfect. But I have to strongly caution you against free WordPress.com hosting for a few reasons. You know, let me go back for a second and say you can get your own domain. I believe you pay them an upgrade fee and they will redirect the subdomain, which is yourname.wordpress.com, to your actual domain name, which is yourname.com, for instance. But again, then it's not free. You're paying for upgrades. But there are other issues with WordPress.com hosting and other free blog hosts. I'm just using WordPress as an example because we have the two options to compare. Um, For example now. Um, If you were to host your author blog on WordPress.com, you're limited to three gigabytes of space under a free account. Now, while that sounds like a lot, an important part of blogging these days is having images. It's not enough to just slap content up. People want images, videos, audio. And if you're going to incorporate all of these visual and other multimedia elements into your blog, those three gigabytes can be used up fairly quickly. And like I said, you don't have to blog frequently, but if you're someone who chooses to, again, you're gonna have the issue of using up that space much faster. Eventually, you're going to have to upgrade, which means it won't be free anymore. Now, another issue that you'll come across is that you have very limited design and plugin options. In other words, there's limited customizability 
for you when you use WordPress.com. You are stuck with whatever themes they've approved. The themes are your designs, your web templates. And for plugins, you know, you can't just go out and get any third-party plugin you want to add certain functionality to your blog. And that really hinders one of the best things about WordPress, you know, the self-hosted version, which is that it can do anything. There are plugins out there that can let you do absolutely anything you can think of with a WordPress site. Um, They also don't allow JavaScript, which means you may not be able to use your third-party analytics tools of choice. We know if you want to use Google Analytics, for example. And that can also impact your ability to have certain types of newsletter sign-up forms and other features that you would add to any other site that wasn't being hosted on these free hosts. Something else that you might not realize is that they don't allow you to put image advertisements on your site. Now, for an author site, you might be wondering why you'd want to do that. And you might not want to use an ad network for this to get paid per click or paid per impression or view. But it limits your ability to work with partners later on if you want to do that in marketing your book. So if you wanted to work with other authors, for example, you can't place banner ads for these other third parties that you're choosing to partner with. You can't take on private advertisers. So if you promote a certain piece of software or something to your readers or you're promoting another author's work that you think your readers would also enjoy, you don't have the ability to publish visual ads. And at the same time, they reserve the right to put ads on your website. Now, that's never a good idea. You can pay a fee to be an exception But again, then you lose the benefit of it being free anyway. And then there is the overwhelming issue of third-party reliance again, where you're at somebody else's mercy. If your content doesn't abide by their terms, they can cut you off at any time. All the links you've built to that site can be gone. All the traffic that was coming to that site can be gone. Now, if you have a self-hosted site, can your host shut you down? Absolutely. But you would take your backups and simply upload them to another host and you would point your domain name to that host. You end up not losing your links. You don't lose your traffic. Within a few hours, you can be set up and running again and you haven't lost anything. All of your links, they're going through your domain name. They're not going through your old hosting account. So you don't have the same kind of risks involved. So let's say you've decided to set up your blog on WordPress or whatever you choose. And now you're stuck in this position of not knowing what to write about. Another common mistake related to author blogging is that some authors write for other writers. They write for other authors instead of writing for their readers. But that's what you need to do. Your blog isn't about what other authors are doing. And I know it's comfortable in a way to get caught up in groups of other writers and talking to them and blogging for them. Now, I run a site for writers, so of course I understand that. But that is separate from an author blog. Unless you are writing books for other authors, that's not your target readership, and that's not who your blog should be targeting either. So what should you blog about if you shouldn't blog necessarily about writing? I'm going to give you five ideas here 
and then I'll point you to some other resources for even more. For example, let's say you're a fiction writer. You're writing novels. On your blog, what you might do is publish short stories or flash fiction. It gives you a chance to play with new ideas, get feedback on your writing from your target readers, and maybe those will eventually turn into larger projects at some point. Or maybe it's just for fun. It's just something to tide over your readers in between your books. If you're getting reader questions, then your blog is a great place to answer them. Let's say you're getting common questions. Rather than answering them via email multiple times, you might just publish the answer once on your blog. You could also use your author blog to post reviews of similar books. What this does is it lets you attract readers who are interested in books like yours. And it builds trust. If you're recommending books to them that they love, they're going to learn to trust your gut when it comes to the type of books that they're looking for. And then when they see that you write books similar to these books that you're reviewing, that they're reading and loving, then you increase your chances that they're going to check your work out too. Along those lines, you could use your blog to interview other authors. Again, that's not to focus on writing, but to focus on the types of readers that you have in common. So again, you might recommend books that you really like that are similar to yours and bring the authors on to talk about them, to answer reader questions or to answer your questions. And for a fifth example of what kind of content you might post on an author blog, you could also share tutorials. So let's say you're a nonfiction author. You know, this is a no-brainer. Let's say you publish a book related to weight loss. You might then have your blog focus on tutorials for different types of exercises or different diet programs. But this isn't exclusively for nonfiction authors. It's common, for example, in the cozy mystery genre to tie series of books to certain hobbies. Anything from cooking to crafting to home repair. So what that author might do is have a blog offering DIY tips for home renovation projects. Or we see a lot of mysteries these days that revolve around food, in which case your blog might feature recipes that played a role in your books. Those are just five examples of the types of things you can write about on your author blog. Now, I also have an author website content checklist available for free at allindywriters.com, which you can find on the resources page. And again, I'll link to that in the show notes at allindywriters.com slash podcast slash 10. But if you are an email newsletter subscriber, or if you're not, you can subscribe at allindywriters.com slash newsletter. When you subscribe, you'll get a download link after confirming your subscription for one of my recent reports called 21 Author Blog Post Ideas to Promote Your Fiction. Now, that report was targeted specifically to authors of fiction, but a lot of the ideas would actually work equally well for nonfiction authors. So I strongly suggest subscribing and checking that out. When you sign up through allindywriters.com slash newsletter, you get to choose whether you just want the newsletter, or you can also subscribe to the blog via email, either daily, weekly, or monthly, along with the newsletter. So you have a bit of control over how much content you're going to get via email from me. And you'll also get my newest report, 
which is 15 ways you can repurpose your blog content. So like I mentioned before, you can actually cut back on the time involved in blogging by repurposing content. And that report shows you 15 ways that you can do that, which might prove helpful to some authors. Now I want to move on to a community question from Anton Roeder, and this one is for freelance writers. Anton asks, should you fake it? More specifically, I've been reading a lot about believing in yourself and your career as a writer. My question is, where do you strike the balance between being confident and lying about your abilities? Should you take work you've no experience doing and gloss over your experience, or should you be forthright about your level of experience? I think it's important that freelancers understand that fake it till you make it does not mean that you should be lying to your clients. There's just no excuse for that. I've seen other freelancers outright tell new writers to lie to their clients about their credentials. You don't need some unethical dunce to give you a bad name just because they don't have professional ethics. So avoid them like the plague. Now what fake it till you make it really means in terms of freelance writing is that you sometimes need to fake the confidence. You fake it to yourself. It's not about lying to prospects in order to get a gig that you aren't qualified to do. Confidence, especially for writers, can sometimes be difficult to come by. We often think of ourselves as introverts and we might be shy The point is that you need to sometimes fake that confidence for yourself in order to convey it to clients. Once you get that first client to say yes, suddenly that confidence starts to become real. And when the next one says yes, you build a little more. And it will continue to build upon itself fairly quickly. But it's that first hump that you have to get over when you're just not quite feeling it. You're not sure if you can do this. And sometimes you need to just tell yourself you can You need to convey value, but you can't do that until you believe it. Sometimes that does take a bit of faking it. You need to convince yourself somehow that you're offering a valuable service to clients. Think about all the good things you're bringing to the table. That's really all the fake it till you make it concept is. Do not fall into that trap of lying. Now you had asked about glossing over a lack of experience or outright telling a client when you don't have it. And in that case, the only thing that matters is what a client asked you for. If a client flat out asks you if you have experience in a certain type of project and you don't have that experience, do not tell them that you do. You know, don't lie. But at the same time, if that client doesn't flat out ask you if you have experience in a specific type of project, there's no reason that you have to volunteer that information. Sometimes it's not even relevant. Clients might see other samples for similar types of work that you've done, for example, and they just have a gut feeling that you'd be a good fit for their project, even if the project type itself might be a little bit different. So, for example, maybe you've written newspaper articles and they think you'd be great for their blog or vice versa. Then it doesn't really matter to the client. If it mattered, they would ask. Don't introduce reasons for someone not to hire you when they didn't exist on the client side before. Rather than focusing on the fact that you have no specific experience in a particular area, focus on the experience you do have. 
For example, maybe you've written for newspapers, but you've never written press releases, and somebody contacts you wanting you to write press releases. You don't have to bring up the fact that you don't write press releases or haven't in the past. Instead, you'd bring up the experience you do have, which is relevant, which is an experience with a journalistic writing style and AP style guidelines. A little secret about the hiring process from someone who's been on both sides, um, both in an employee perspective and freelance, it's difficult to find candidates for a position who satisfy every want on your list. And anyone with real experience in that position knows that. So if a client has five things that they say are must-haves in an application process, and you hit three, that still might make you the best candidate that that client comes across. So don't lie about having experience with the other two points. And don't feel like you can't apply because you don't satisfy everything. So get in touch with the client anyway. Emphasize the areas where you mesh well with their requirements and leave out anything else. If they want to know more, they'll ask you. And I hope that helps. Now that's all I have for you today. Remember, you can get my newest report, 15 Ways to Repurpose Your Blog Content by subscribing to the All Indie Writers newsletter at allindiewriters.com newsletter. You can find out how to make your blog archives work harder for you by bringing in new readers and making your old content new again. And you'll also get 21 blog post ideas to promote your fiction when you subscribe for the newsletter. If you have follow-up questions to any of the topics discussed in this episode, submit those or any other writing-related questions to be answered in a future podcast episode. You can do that by visiting allindiewriters.com podcast and filling out the contact form on that page, by emailing me at jen, which is j-e-n-n, at allindiewriters.com, or by leaving me a voicemail at 484-575-1345. You can find show notes and related links for this episode at allindiewriters.com slash podcast slash 10. You can also access this podcast, audio blog posts, and related audio productions by visiting freelancetheater.com. You've been listening to the All Indie Writers Podcast with Jen Mattern. A Freelance Theater Production. Freelance Theater. It's all writers need for life's little episodes.